You know, um, the time that we're living in right now is leaving a lot of question marks. I, I don't know if you've watched any of the newscasts. I, I am surprised at times by how many times they're asked questions that the real answer is, I have no idea or I don't know. But the reality is there's a lot of I don't know right now. And we are at an interesting spot this week because most of you have made what some people are calling the pivot. You've made that pivot from your public life to this new socially distanced life. You are, you've gone from maybe some of you working to not working. Uh, you're spending a lot more time at home. Some of you have already caught up on some of your favorite shows on Netflix. And so here we are, and we're in an interesting time. And in some respects, we're waiting for whatever is next. Waiting's not easy. Waiting is hard, and it's challenging. And so for today, um, I, I thought we would go with a passage that's kind of filled with questions because I think we're looking for not just questions, but answers. So if you will, if you will turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 today, um, we're going to spend all our time in Romans chapter 8. We've done some changes here and some challenges here to try to make things a little less fuzzy. I'm not sure how it's all going to work. So I encourage you to have your Bible. Part of the reason I encourage you to have the, your Bible in front of you is because I think you need to underline some verses um, in this passage that are just so very good. So we're in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, and I think we need to begin our time by looking at Paul's perspective on things. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, he's saying we need to start having a different perspective. A lot of people are just thinking about when I can get back out again, when I can go to the store again without having to wear a mask, when I can, can see my friends again, when, 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 when. But they're all involved in this still small segment of time Paul was trying to look at a bigger picture. He was trying to stand outside of the day in the troubles that they were facing as Christians in the early church, as they were going into a time of persecution, as he was going through the process of being jailed. In all of these different things, he was trying to have a bigger and different perspective. And so I'm encouraging you to get into a spiritual helicopter with me as we raise up above this moment and realize that in light of eternity, this moment is going to be just a small moment. In 2 Corinthians, he, Paul speaks again and he calls these light and momentary trials. There is actually going to be a day when, when what we're going through right now, is going to be over. And there is a day that we will enter into eternity and we will have a much different perspective than we have today. But today is about waiting. And we are in the process today of waiting. 
In fact, that's what he goes on and talks about in the next couple verses. He says this in verse 19. He says, For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. He says that creation itself is waiting for this eternity time, this time beyond the wedding feast of the Lamb, this time where we have the new heavens and the new earth, but it's waiting specifically for something very interesting. It's waiting for us to be revealed in the glory that God will give us when we enter heaven. It goes on and says this in verse 20. It says, For creation was subjected to a futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. You know, one of the reasons that we're going through this pandemic right now is because creation is broken. And the thing that we have to be really honest and say is this isn't about some country breaking something. This is about creation in general is broken. It, it, it's, it's not the same. And, and it has been forever changed from the experience that was original. When man sinned, creation was broken. When man sinned, we became broken. Creation waits for freedom. Look at what it says in verse 21. It says, In hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of glory, of the children of God. In other words, creation wants to be like we're going to be. Someday we're going to be restored. In in the book of Revelation, starting in verses 20 and in chapters 20 and 21, it talks about a new heavens and a new earth. It talks about all the things that we deal with today. There will be no more death, no more dying, no more crying. And that's what it's talking about. Creation is looking forward to that time when it will be restored in the same way those of us who love Jesus Christ will find our complete restoration. So creation is waiting for our restoration. We read on and it says this, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We know that that while it waits, creation is given this picture of groaning. The word groaning actually would probably be better saying has been sighing. You know that deep sigh that sometimes we have when we find something out? That deep sigh when all of a sudden we just hit those moments where we were just like, oh. Those moments of disappointment, of frustration, those those groanings that go on. It says all of creation is doing that right now. We have this huge picture of that and this experience that we're going through as a church and as a world. It says not only are is creation groaning, but it says that we are groaning too. It says, and not only creation, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. You know, I'm sure there are going to be other moments, and they probably already have been moments, where all we're saying is, Maranatha, God, come quickly. 
If you came in this moment, that would be great. God, we need you. We're groaning. We're, we're longing for something other than this broken world, this challenging existence. And we're more aware of waiting right now because every day when we turn on the radio, every day when we watch the television or we see that news information in our feed, we realize that we're at a not yet moment, that we are waiting. And our body responds to that by groaning. But there's another kind of groaning that goes on. It is going on at the same time. That other kind of groaning is found in verse 26. It says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray how to pray as we ought. You know, in our groaning, one of the things that's going to happen, and I'm sure that you're hitting some of those moments where you begin praying and you just frankly don't know what to pray. What am I supposed to say? And we're trying to be clear-minded, but actually there are moments that we're not at all clear-minded. And in those moments... There's this deep sigh, this quiet groan, and we realize that what we're saying just doesn't make much sense. Have you ever started a sentence with somebody, and by the end of the sentence, they're looking at you and going, I have no idea what we're talking about. I think that sometimes we feel like that in our relationship with the Lord. But here's the reality. If you read on in 26, it says, But the Spirit himself intercedes with us that are growings that are too deep for words. You know, creation is groaning as it waits. We're groaning as we wait. But it's interesting to think that the Spirit is groaning because of what it's doing for us. As you read in verse 27, it says this, He searches the hearts. He who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When we had small children, one of our children, which you know well, um, the female one, was very verbal. <laughs> And it was interesting because there were times that she would, out of her excitement and out of her assertiveness, she would speak for her brothers. She would tell us what they were thinking, especially for little Philip at that time. That's a cute little picture of the beautiful thing that God is doing for us right now. The Spirit is looking into all that's in our hearts. All those fears, those what-ifs, the how-are-we-gonna's that we're experiencing right now. And it says that at this moment, in this moment of waiting, not just to hear what is the end of the coronavirus, but in this moment of waiting before we are in the very presence of God, the Spirit himself is interceding and speaking for us. 
I think that's something really important for you to know because there are lots of times that we just aren't sure what to pray. <clears throat> and I think we're going to go through many of those over the next couple weeks. But in those moments, I think we need to look over to the spirit that lives in us and say, you know what's in my heart. What am I trying to say to the Lord? And just like that smiling little voice of grace, the spirit will speak for you in groanings that are too deep to understand. But more than that, we need to know that in waiting, that God is at work. I shared this verse earlier this week with you by email, but this is a precious verse. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You know, there is nothing about this moment that God will not be using in our lives to make a difference in who we are. God even takes the moments of our lives where we are standing apart from him and in those moments creates what he needs to to make a difference, not for our purposes, but for his great purposes in our life. So we're talking about this idea of waiting. And one of the ideas behind waiting is we just need to have a bigger picture. Instead of just thinking we're waiting for the coronavirus to get over, we have to realize that there's a greater waiting that's taking place. And that waiting is waiting on the fact that there is a time where we won't have to be concerned about the brokenness that's in this world. There's a time coming where we will, be a, we will experience all of what it means to have our relationship with the Lord and that he will... He will pour his glory into us. What a great and precious thing. Now, for some of you, you're saying, well, that, well, that's really interesting. But that only happens if a person has a personal relationship with the Lord. You have to decide that in your brokenness, that you cannot fix yourself and that you need a God to fix you. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second here. But the reality is, is that that God began his process of working in us by his, his divine intervention that gave so many of us our relationship with him. That's what it's speaking of here. It's speaking of this process in verses 29 and 30 of how God drew us to himself. It says, For those he knew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that they might be the firstborn among all among many brothers. And and I think for some of you, as you look back, okay, so we're talking about the forward things, but let's look back for this moment. Think of all the things that God set in motion so that you have the relationship you do with him today. It says, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This speaks of the process of what takes place when a person becomes a relationship with the Lord. There is a reality that at some point we become aware 
that we are broken and in that brokenness we realize that we have made mistakes and we can't make it right and that's the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ died so that he could take the punishment for the wrong things that we did and he could restore the brokenness that we have between ourselves and God and every one of us who has a personal relationship with the Lord can remember those moments where God called us to be his own. That moment some of us can remember distinctively is that moment when we prayed and we said, dear God, please forgive me for the wrong things I did. Please help me become a good friend of yours. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Some of you have not covered that threshold yet, but there are many of us who had. And the interesting thing is it says that once he calls us, it says that he justifies us. Justification is an interesting idea. Justification means that when God looks down, instead of seeing our brokenness and our sinfulness, he sees the wholeness that God, that Jesus Christ gave us. He sees us as people that are no longer stained by their sin, but are washed from their sin. Justification. Just as if I never had sinned. And the the moment that we're looking forward to was the one that started in verse 18. It's that moment that someday we will be in the presence of God. And in the same way, there were moments where the disciples saw Jesus Christ and his glory that was unveiled by this earth, we will live in that same glory and will be glorified by the God himself. But waiting raises some questions, okay? And there's a lot of questions out right now. And, and you know what? One of the things that I encourage you to do at this moment, well, I encourage you to do it in every moment, is I think it's really important that we're incredibly honest with God about all the questions that we have in our mind. This this passage kind of raises some of those kinds of questions, and it also answers some of those questions. So what are some of the questions that this, this passage continues to answer as we read through Romans 8? The first question is, is God disinterested in this moment? You know, there are some people that view God as like a great watchmaker who set everything in motion and then just stepped away from it. That he's not concerned. They look at a moment like this where where we talk about maybe more deaths and we've already seen quite a few and we're, we're seeing our economy affected as we try to do wise health things. We're, we're going through this interesting moment. And there can be those moments where we say, you know, God could just step in. But maybe he isn't stepping in because God is just disinterested. The passage says otherwise. It, said, it says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? And this is one of those verses that you probably need to underline. If God is for me, who can be against me? You've heard of the little girl who was having a conversation with her mother, and her mother said, well, you know, sometimes Satan tempts us and wants us to do bad things. It's like he knocks at the door. 
Now, when Satan knocks at your door, what are you going to do? And the little girl looked at her mom and she says, I think I'm going to ask Jesus to answer. We need to remember that God is for us. He is not against us. The second question we could ask at this moment is, is God stingy? You know, is, is he just concerned about a certain group of people? Is he just concerned about doing things in a certain way? Is he, is he holding back because he only has so much? And, and the scripture says the opposite. How he who did not spare his own son but gave him for us all, how will he not also with, his, with him graciously give us all things? God's not stingy. God already gave us the greatest gift of all in his son's death for our sin on the cross. If God isn't going to be stingy with his most precious thing, he certainly isn't going to be stingy with all the other things that we need. Uh, That makes God a bad father. But the word of God tells us that he's a good God and that he's a great father. Am I in trouble? You know, I think that some people think this. They, they see God up there, and, and maybe they've had that experience. I, I remember in Indiana, there was a certain kind of coach, and we called him the doghouse coach. And the way he motivated his team is if he didn't like what somebody was doing, he'd put him at the end of the bench, and he'd put him in the doghouse. And maybe right now you're concerned that, man, uh, I'm looking at my life and some of the things I did, and I'm in trouble, and, and maybe God isn't going to help me right now because... You know, I'm in the doghouse. That's not what scripture says. It says, Whom shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. You know, you're not in trouble, okay? Maybe you haven't been walking as close as you came to the Lord. This kind of period of time can be a real wake-up call for some of us. But the bottom line is, Although you've changed the distance in your relationship with the Lord, you've been spiritually distancing from him. The way he sees you, because what his son did for you on the cross, is he sees you as forgiven. Remember, when Christ died on the cross, he died for all of our sins, not part of our sins. Our sinfulness, or our waywardness, or our rebellion after we ask Jesus Christ to be our Savior, creates a distance in that relationship, but it doesn't destroy that relationship. And so we need to know that we have not changed our relationship with the Lord. God calls us to repentance, to turn back to him, and he isn't going to stand there with some kind of conditions. And really, that's another one of the questions that can happen. Am I being punished? Are we going through this? Am I going to be the one that maybe has to deal with the virus and other people don't? Is is that because I am being punished somehow? Romans 8.34 says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Now, in Romans chapter 12, it makes it clear that there are times that God will discipline us in the same way we were disciplined, or as parents, we discipline our children. But God isn't some kind of a killjoy just trying to punish us. 
We always need to remember that along with John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his own son, that in John 3.17 it said, and God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. You need to remember God's message is of salvation, not condemnation. What do the circumstances say? You know, some people are trying to figure out God by looking at the circumstances and saying, how could a loving God do this? And why would God do this? You know, I've heard people say it on a personal level. You know, I'm not sure if I can trust God because I prayed and prayed and prayed and my grandpa just still died. And so all of a sudden, because what is happening in our circumstance, it, it somehow molds how we think about God or how we see God. This is a great danger. And in this moment, we have to guard our minds from that. We have to remember what we know about God and use it to inform our circumstances and not let our circumstances inform how we think about God. Take a look at what it says here. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who shall separate us from the love of God? It goes on and says this. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? You know, all of a sudden we could read the tea leaves of our situation and say, God has left the building. God is disinterested. He's not here. But God's word tells us that God is right here in the midst of this with us. God's son came down from heaven to earth to be in the midst of things and died for us in the midst of being human and living an earthly experience. But there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. In fact, it goes on and it says this, as it is risen for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are guarded as sheep to be slaughtered. You know, one of the things that I think we need to remember is that if you read passages like Hebrews chapter 11, there were many believers who even died. And yet death cannot separate us from God's love. Nothing can. Those are other good verses really just to underline and to remember. Another question I think that some of us are asking, if we're really be honest, is, will this break me? Can I handle this? I, I, I don't feel like I'm a strong believer like the Chinese believers were. I, I don't feel like I'm a, a zealous believer like the first century church was. I, I, I'm just kind of afraid and I'm thinking mainly of me. Will this situation break me? This is another verse that just needs to be underlined. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So what are all these things? Well, if you go back to the verses before, those are the things. All the different troubles, you know. Take a look. Let's go back. 
to the verse before this. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword, or even death. Now, we can be conquerors in all of these things. You know, I think that that has to be one of our secret and quiet prayers. Maybe one of that's the things that we groan, making not even sure if we're saying it completely right. God, how can I be your victor when I'm at home, when I'm doing the right things? How can you be the victor when I deal with the brokenness of this world and how it touches me? How can I be a victor in the broken relationships that I have in my family and the dissonance that I feel in my life? We need to take this promise in this time of waiting and realize that God desires that we can be more than conquerors and that he will be there because nothing can separate us from his love. The last question I think that we ask, and we feel it stronger today just simply because some of you are social distancing alone in your home. Uh, there aren't other people that you naturally see. And we ask the question, am I alone? And the answer is, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Are you alone? No. You will never in any way be separated from God's love. And so there is a lot to think through in this time of waiting, but I want us to be thinking more than medically, more than economically. I want us to be thinking spiritually. And so I think specifically of a couple of you out there, and I have to ask you a really important question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you asked him to be your savior? There's no such thing as being a good guy and getting in. You have to ask Jesus to be your savior. And so if that's something you haven't done, I encourage you to do that today. And for those of you who already have that relationship with Jesus Christ, for those of you who are a part of this church family, and, and the extended friends from different places around, I ask you, will you trust God in this moment? Will you lift your eyes to something a little bit bigger than just the end of the virus? Will you realize that this is just a small and momentary challenge? That's what it said. As we started, this verse should inform this time of waiting and wondering that we have. For I consider the sufferings of this present time 
is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Oh, this is going to be real. I think that we are just at the front end of some of its challenges. But in light of eternity, it's going to be a smaller blip than we realize. You know, that phrase, in light of eternity, is an interesting phrase. Um, I, I can remember that it was an important phrase to Pastor Max years ago. And one day his son came home. And he says, you know that phrase that our family likes? And his dad says, yes. And he goes, you know, in light of eternity, how, how much does this really matter? He goes, his dad said, yes. He says, well, I just want you to know that I, I was in an accident and I broke the mirror off the side of the, the truck. But in light of eternity, it doesn't really matter, right, Dad? This is going to be an interesting time of waiting. I don't want to make light of it. I know that some of you are afraid and concerned. But in light of eternity, God will continue to take care of us because he is here, he is good, and he can be trusted. Let's pray together. Dear God, I, I pray, first of all, that we would have great confidence in you and realize that this moment does not have to shift our relationship with you. God, we have hard questions. There are going to be times in waiting that our groaning will not create prayers that we can even verbalize. And so we are thankful for your spirit. We're thankful that somehow you're working this together for the good of us who love you to who are called according to your purposes. And God, we pray that we would have confidence in the answer that you are there, that you care, and that you will provide and take care of us. And so, God, we pray for your supernatural peace to, to overwhelm us. And we pray for those that have not called on the name of the Lord, that today would be that day that they called on the name of the Lord. We pray that you would take care of, of people in our body. We're thankful that Bob and Lori are coming home today. And, and God, we, we're thankful that Angela is able to get her treatments, and we pray for her in that this week. God, we're thankful that Mike Hallrock is out of the hospital. God, we continue to pray uh, for Jason Lemieux as he's just gone through surgery, and Alice and Jim have been talking about that. We continue to pray for the rest of our body as some are without work, and and we pray that you would give us wisdom and creativity to, to work hard, to stay connected, and to be your people together. God, that you would provide for all of the details and all the needs that we have, that this church has, and that we would open our eyes to the opportunities that you're giving us to be your hands and feet in this challenging time. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So, 
just a, a, a little bit of details uh, about what's going on around here and uh, some of the things to be thinking about. Um, the church continues to be locked down and uh, uh, we are trying to take care of everything. We appreciate all the people that reach out. Um, right now, we're trying to compile some good prayer list for the the congregation. So you saw maybe it in the email, but we want to you to understand. We want to understand where you're at if you're still working or if you're out of work. Uh, we want to know that so we can let the people in the church know that. We want to know any special needs that you have. Um, I want you to communicate how you're doing during this. Um, I want to make sure that as we come together in live stream and as we come together in some of the different events that we've planned, uh, that I'm really hearing how you're at. In light of that, we've we've started two Zoom gatherings. Um, you can find them on our webpage and just click on them. We're going to get together Wednesday nights at 630 and Saturday mornings at 8.30. That's just an open event for everybody to just kind of show up online and uh, have conversation and and pray and, and discuss kind of life together uh, online. So we're doing that. We want to remind you that you can give online uh, through our website or um, you can cut a check to the church um, and, and pay in that way. Um, the ministry team is going to be spe speaking specifically to some of the things that surround that to our members. The reality is, is we're okay right now, um, but um, if giving really declines, we, we have cash on hand for about a month. Um, but beyond that, um, we would have to be very creative and, and, and really think things through. So if you're still working, I encourage you to still be giving to the church and helping it out in this time. Uh, I want to thank Nancy, um, who's behind a computer over here for all the hard work she does so that we can do things like this. Uh, we love you very much, and uh, we hope that you are well, and we would love to hear from you. God bless you all. Have a great day.